as I've experienced getting to know God better, sex just isn't as appealing. It's just not what I was sold when I was a teenager. You know, I thought it was going to be something different, and I plunged down into it, and and it's it's just darkness. But in God, I found real life and light and a never-ending hope. Hey everyone, this is Brooks Popwell. There are a lot of different things to think about when it comes to living a life of purity, but one issue that impacts many believers is something that might not be talked about a lot, and that's being single. Obviously, whether they want to be or not, that's where a significant portion of the church is at. And so today, I want to get some sound advice on issues single people face by talking to three people who have worked through this issue biblically and practically. The leaders of Madison Place Community Church, located near Cincinnati, Ohio, regularly disciple new believers, many of whom are young and single. Their commentary provides a lot of insight into how and why singleness can actually be a blessing in the Christian walk. But first, our Director of Ministry Outreach, Nate Dancer, offers an inside look at the exciting new resource from Pure Life Ministries, the Overcomer Series. This is Purity for Life. I know everybody here at Pure Life is really excited about the release of this new video series, The Overcomers Series. But I was thinking that there is just so much video content already out there for people, even just if you're thinking about only the Christian world, and it it can be kind of overwhelming. So what do you think in your mind most sets this series apart from all the other video Bible studies and curriculums that are already out there? What makes this special? That is a good question, and as you mentioned, there is so much out there, and that's something that I've also wrestled with, is when you have this much video content out there, why produce something else? Why add to it? Well, obviously, I haven't watched everything else, so I can't say for certain Okay, here's all this other stuff, and here's what sets ours apart. Here's what makes ours special. But let me say, let me say this. What we mainly deal with at Pure Life Ministries are people who profess to be Christians who are living in spiritual defeat. And most of them, it is an ongoing spiritual defeat. I know I've heard Pastor Steve mention sexual sin that way, that sexual sin is an ongoing spiritual defeat. And so the question that we're always asking ourselves is, how can we take people who are in that spiritual condition and what can we do to help them to live a life that overcomes? And that's one of the ways that the Bible talks about faith is it overcomes the world. So that is what this whole series is is geared toward, is helping people in this spiritual environment, America, overcome the spirit that is behind 
our culture. So why would I tell someone that this series is going to be really valuable? Because we really do deeply understand some of the things that are behind that spiritual defeat. And what you're going to find in this series is specifically geared toward that end, helping people live an overcoming life. Kind of reminds me of how people look at the what we call the SI book, or sexual idolatry, at the altar of sexual idolatry, which is Pastor Steve's main book, the one that kind of launched this ministry. I know so many people feel that that book just nailed it for them and gave them answers to this problem in a way that they hadn't found anywhere else. So you're telling me this does that, but just for a larger audience, that kind of impartation of freedom. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, as I was listening to the messages, Pastor Steve, who has dedicated his life to helping Christians overcome sexual sin, and that was his story in the past— Glenn Meldrum, who's dedicated his life to being an evangelist and who was radically saved in the 70s. Um, Dave Leopold, who came out of drug addiction back in the—I'm guessing it was back in the 70s and has dedicated his life to um, knowing God on a very deep level. Yeah, this isn't theoretical stuff that we're dealing with, and this isn't theoretical stuff for these men of God. This is their life. If there was someone who was saying, what does it look like to overcome the world in our day and age, this series is definitely something worth checking out. Well, when I look at this list of topics on this boxed set of DVDs, I see everything from what it means to follow Jesus to the love of pleasure to finding answers for life's struggles. And that's a wide-ranging list of topics. Why did the ministry select these particular topics? Was there something tying it all together? Well, here's what 1 John tells us. 1 John tells us that everything that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these things are not from the Father, but from the world. And it also tells us that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I believe that, I mean, this is just true in a theological sense, that everything, every everything that the Christian must fight in himself and fight in the world, those are all going to come from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those are the things that we have to overcome. Those are the things we have to overcome in ourselves. Those are the things that we have to resist in the world. If we're going to truly live the Christian life, those are the those are our battle fronts, so to speak. And so I think that's really what this series is, uh, what's tying this series together. Yeah, and that's an ambitious goal to try to unpack in the course of even a whole series of DVDs. You mentioned things not being just theoretical here, but people are going to get deep answers to these different topics. What kinds of things are people going to get in this product? Well, first, let me just explain that this is a big series. You're going to get a lot for your money, that's for sure. So for $60, you're going to get 24 full-length sermons and at least one bonus 
uh, feature on each of those 12 discs. So you're, it's 29 hours of content. So let me say it that way. <laughs> you get a lot. Um, but some of the topics that we're going to cover in this series are just going to be really helpful for a lot of different people. For instance, one of the discs is about what it looks like to live for Jesus in um, these dark days, taking a look at the uh, land of Babylon and how they tried to assimilate the um, the exiled Jews into the culture and what it looks like to stand against that culture. Um, one DVD is about um, how to help people in their own struggles, looking at the differences between biblical counseling and uh, psychotherapy and um, psychiatry. There's topics on um, the self-life and the manifestations of our own fallen nature versus the life of mercy that comes out of a life that's uh, walking with God. There is a message about the lordship of Christ and that the true Christian life is a life of obedience and submission and surrender. There is a lot here that will give people um, a lot to chew on just as they seek to walk with Jesus. Well, again, we're talking about the Overcomers series, the brand new release from Pure Life Ministries. And it's a 12-DVD boxed set featuring 24 specially chosen and impactful messages, along with, again, a wealth of bonus feature content. Everything from gripping documentaries to engaging interviews to real-life testimonies of people who've been transformed. You can find out more, view the video trailer, and purchase the Overcomers series by visiting purelifeministries.org slash theovercomers. Ever since the time of the book of Acts, believers around the world have known that there's power and blessing in sharing life together and helping one another follow Jesus. Madison Place Community Church is a fellowship where that kind of vibrant community is thriving today. When I visited recently, I got the opportunity to sit down with three of the church's leaders, and I talked about issues that they and many of their members are facing while living as single people in the church. And if you hear a little noise in the background, that's because they really are a living, working Christian community, and they let me get right into the middle of their daily lives to record this interview. I hope it encourages all of you out there who are single, just like it did me. I'm really glad for the opportunity to sit down with the three people who are here with me right now. They are Alex Sini, Sebastian Hilton, and Sharon Stolarski, and they're all leaders here at Madison Place Community Church. And I'm also glad we get the opportunity to have this roundtable, because it's on a subject that I know will be interesting to a lot of people listening, the topic of singleness as a Christian. I just read a statistic somewhere that 45% of adults in America today are single, which is more than ever in our history. But in contrast to that, only 23% of active churchgoers are single. That's why I think it's great we can take some time to speak to this group of single people that might not get as much attention in the church. Now, I know all of you guys are single too, and so to start off, can a couple of you just introduce yourselves, give us a little of your testimony, and then talk about how it's been for you to be single and a Christian. Uh, my name is Sebastian, and I came to the Lord about uh, 
about 10 years ago, roughly. And I had a pretty... I love drinking, love making money, love women. That's kind of what my life was full of. And yeah, at, at some point I decided to... Or I, I at some point I realized the... Um, how depressing that was and how meaningless that life was and right around that same time somebody ended up sharing the gospel of Jesus with me and I started to believe and that started to have an effect on my heart and uh, I really just wanting something else wanting real life and uh, I came into the kingdom it took about two years before I was fully surrendered to his will and uh, I began reading the Bible constantly, and I saw in Matthew 19 and 1 Corinthians 7 some uh, some commentary from uh, Jesus and from the New Testament writers that during Paul about some options to choose to be single, and um, when Jesus says those who uh, have the ability or can accept it should accept it, and I began asking myself, uh, why couldn't I accept it? There's nothing really stopping me, and I can see how much easier it would make my life to live a life devoted to the Lord if I remained single. So I, I made that choice and uh, many years ago, and uh, I've realized the sufficiency and uh, contentment and satisfaction in Christ, and it's been a huge blessing to me. My name is Shy, and I grew up in a church-going family, um, but I really didn't know what it meant to follow Jesus until I was in my late 20s. I met a group of people, the ones that I live with and share my life with now, um, that taught me what it meant to read and actually follow the Word of God. Uh, my life dramatically changed about eight years ago when I started to understand what it meant to fully surrender my life to the Lord. Um, in that, um, one of the great things about being a woman is that I don't really have to make a decision about whether or not to get married if I'm not being asked. I get to just remain single. Um, so the choice hasn't been um, available yet for me. Um, but in that, I live in a world where Christian women are pressured to get married in um, many different venues, whether it's in college or just what family expects, but the Lord has shown me um, through his word what it means to be content in everything, and I'm 37, just turned 37, and I realized, like, looking back on my life that had I gotten married at a young age or had I been pressured into being married just because of culture, I wouldn't have been able to do the things that the Lord has given me to do. So that's where I'm at right now, seeking the Lord on all of it. Shai, you just said something that prompted me to bring up a topic that was on my mind for later, and that is that while I think a lot of Christians would say that singleness is not a bad thing, um, I think it can feel sometimes very different in reality. So... You mentioned uh, marriage, getting married, being such a big part of, I guess, our culture and church life. How have you guys like dealt with that or had to kind of wrestle through that 
even though you are continuing on in contentment, being single, how has that factored in your thinking? For me, uh, I've about maybe five or six years ago, I was in a Bible study and there was a preacher there, pastor, and he, he said that you don't reach your full spiritual authority unless you're married. And that was kind of a shocking statement. And I realized that is a, a sentiment in the church, especially in, in the West. And um, I don't think it has to do with spiritual authority at all. It, uh, it's just purely a practical choice to either remain single or be single or choose to be married. But the, the important thing is to remain faithful to the Lord, uh, whatever arena of life that we are in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me and how I deal with the pressure is I just, I just go back to the Scripture and see what the Scripture says. And uh, I don't find that in the Scripture. And I think sometimes um, Protestants, we, we see the stuff that goes on in the, the Catholic Church and we react to it. And we say, okay, well, they did that. That was wrong you know, to, for priests to be, they had to be celibate or they had to be single. And we look at that and, okay, well, that's wrong. So let's go the other way. And now we've kind of done it differently as Protestants. So I think for me, when I, whenever I'm pressured in you know, certain cultures uh, that we have in uh, Christendom, I try to get back to what the scripture says, and that's how that's what it that's what helps me. Something else I've seen is that in the church there there can be this idea that you aren't going to be fulfilled, especially as a woman, until you are married. So that's where a lot of the pressure comes from. But I don't see that anywhere in scripture. Um, if that were true, then there's a lot of heroes of the faith and people that we've read about in the word of god that didn't reach their fulfillment um but i think i can also say just from things that i've seen with marriages around me if we aren't fully fulfilled in christ first and foremost then when we get married we're still trying to fill it with something and we're marrying an imperfect person and we're imperfect so then you're trying to fulfill that void with something imperfect so the only way to be content is to find your fulfillment in Jesus. Um, so I think somehow in the church we get that a little wonky sometimes mm-hmm. of believing that to be fully fully fulfilled, we need this other half when really we just need Jesus. Alex, we haven't heard from you yet, so I want to give you the opportunity now as well to give your thoughts on what it's been like for you to deal with this whole idea of marriage versus singleness as a Christian. So really just whatever you want to share. I think where we are from in our church context, we have a lot of young disciples that we are helping, young single disciples that come from many different backgrounds. And it's always a very interesting topic to talk with them about marriage and singleness and relationships because in the world and even in the church it's as we've stated it's very common it's very accepted it's almost um this is the expectation that you clean up your life you come to jesus and you get married but as we've said in the new testament we don't see that and we've been helping young disciples principally or or and the at the the most important thing in their life is to be faithful to jesus mm-hmm. and in that we can find contentment, like we've been saying. And I think 
What is interesting is that at the same rate in the community, we have a lot of kids. We have marriages, and there's a lot of kids that are coming or people are giving birth to babies, and it is changing the dynamic. And what is interesting is that regardless of what state of life you're in, singleness, uh, celibacy, you're married, that that uh, command to be satisfied in God and God alone is still there. And mm. we are seeing it at, yeah. an, at an increasing rate that marriage is such a wonderful blessing. Like we said, the, 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 the ability to bring life forth is incredible. It's a beautiful blessing from God, what it can represent of Jesus and the church. Um, at the same rate, it does have its practical difficulties that Paul states in 1 Corinthians 7 that is a challenge. And so the utmost thing that we teach people is that you need to be faithful to Jesus. It doesn't matter what state of life you're in. You need to be faithful to him. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's not a very common teaching in the church. And I think what we see is when people try to find their fulfillment in one another, especially in a relationship, it just doesn't work because we're fallen people. And that's why I think, honestly, we have ministries like Pure Life and we have broken marriages and we just see that the culture in the church is not reflecting the biblical precedent that the New Testament writers place for us. I know all of you are actually leaders within this church community, and could I get a little more of that perspective then from you? Because as you said, you've got a lot of young people, single people coming in. What kind of things do you share with them if they've, say, just gotten here and they're single? Yeah, just as you're trying to help them sort these things out from where they've come from. The first thing that we talk about really isn't relationships like this. We try to get them to put their eyes, their gaze, to put to direct their life into Jesus and to realize that if they want to follow Jesus, they have to lay down their life. They have to give up their life. And that is the first thing that we teach people. Sometimes people come and they're maybe single mothers or they are in a relationship or maybe they are married and they're separated from their spouse. There's many different circumstances that people come. But regardless of what background someone comes from, we try to teach them first that you need to follow Jesus. And to do that, you have to lay down your life. That includes your family, includes relationships, that nothing can be more important than Jesus himself. And then after that, obviously these questions happen, the natural questions of, well, what does it look like for me to get married? What does it look like for me to be single? And I think what we've seen is that as people, let me put it this way, if people decide to follow Jesus biblically, meaning laying down their life and obeying his commands, then the questions that follow about marriage, about relationships, can fit into a context that is biblical. We have an understanding that we need to obey his commands. Everything that we do, including marriage, including singleness, and all these different things regarding relationships should fit into obedience to him. And we neglect true discipleship, but we focus on answering the questions of singleness and marriage and all these things. We do a disservice because we don't have any context to put it in. It becomes just a set of rules or expectations that are set within the cultural norms of the church or the ministry organization. 
and we really don't have any foundation to help someone and a, really a reference point to go to the scriptures themselves and search it out to see what the Lord is calling them to do. Uh, for women, I agree with Al that a lot of times um, people just want to start asking the questions about all the all the things in life. And um, one of the biggest uh, conversations I get into with the women is whether or not we're seeking the kingdom first or are we seeking to kind of fix our lives or straighten our lives mm-hmm. up or um, live our best life now kind of deal, how we can get all the things that we want um, and have a good Christian family and, and have the white picket fence. But when we talk about being hidden um, in Christ, um, we kind of have to have our eyes on the Lord and, and we need to be seeking the kingdom and figuring out what his his plan is, his vision is, and remembering that his plan, his vision is better than our plan and our vision. So every time we try to answer those questions of, well, maybe I should have dated this person, or maybe if I just dressed a certain way, I could get more attention, or I need to make sure this guy knows that I'm kind of interested in him, all that stuff, all those things that women love to get into the nitty-gritty with. Um, I really try to keep them see, seeking the Lord and the fact that, uh, I think, was it Matthew 6 that talks about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and not being worried about all these things? Um, that's really what it becomes. You're worrying about your life, um, w- wondering what it's going to turn out like instead of trusting the Lord with your life. Um, and I think women can get into the worry about life more so maybe than men. I don't know. I might be speaking that out of context but um because when there's just that innate sense of wanting to be protected and cared for and things that the lord has put in us as women um but the lord wants to fulfill that and that goes back to being fully fulfilled in christ um so i don't know if that answers the question but it's getting the women to focus on the kingdom to come and not on worrying about how their story will play out so i don't think it's being too controversial to say that singleness comes with positives and negatives, if we could say it that way. Uh, Don't think too many people would debate that. Um, But if that's so, then can some of you share, again, from your experience, what some of those things have been? What have been some of the particular challenges you've faced, as well as, um, you know, the more rewarding opportunities that have grown out of living as a single person? One of the very first times I realized uh, what a, a benefit it was to be in, a, in a, a situation where I was single in the kingdom uh, was one of the first peop- one of the first people I was discipling. He was a he's a man that had committed adultery on his wife. His wife had kicked him out of the house. It was really broken. He had had several affairs, and he had come to Jesus, and he was born again. And it took a lot of conversations, a lot of time, processing through a lot of things. And we would be up late at night, and uh, he'd have to call me uh, during the day at work. And it, it, it took my whole life to care for him. And if I was married, I don't think I would have been able to give him uh, the attention that he needed in that time. 
because I would have had other affairs that I would have had to have been concerned about, whether it was children or my wife. So that was one of the very first times that, wow, this is, this is, this is awesome. This is one of the, the benefits uh, of not having those other practical things that I need to take care of. I'm, I'm more available to help care for new disciples and to make disciples. Um, I live in a, in a situation where I'm really blessed. I have lots of friends. I live with my friends. We're all following Jesus together. We share in deep, sweet fellowship that uh, Jesus has provided for us. I don't really experience a lot of negative uh, things when it, in regards to singleness. I, there is the, the uh, desire to have uh, a, a son, and that was that's been taken care of over and over again um i've experienced the the blessing of being a spiritual father and caring for children and that's that's been incredibly rewarding um it's something it's one of my favorite things about life in the kingdom is seeing um people be born and babies grow up into strong young men and women that have overcome the evil one and the word of God living in them boldly and they becoming spiritual mothers and fathers and that's been a very special experience um, there's also that the um, the desire for closeness or intimacy um, that comes up but as as I get to know God better and and go to him with everything that's in my heart and my mind and I'm known by him and I know him. It, it's it's so satisfying. I, I don't even have the language to put to it. It's hard to even talk about here. Um, with all that said, I can I I can imagine if I was not living in the situation that I am with uh, friends following Jesus together. I can imagine singleness would be it'd be easier to feel lonely mm-hmm. um, if I didn't live this way. So that would have been. That would have been really difficult. So I'm really thankful for the situation that the Lord's put me in because I do have lots of close relationships. I'm not saying that you would, you know, if you're in prison, you know, in solitary confinement, I'm, I'm sure you would, you would certainly find uh, sufficiency and satisfaction and contentment in the Lord alone. And we have many testimonies throughout history uh, where many of our brothers and sisters that have gone before us have also testified to that. So. Yeah, that's my short answer. <laughs> I think just to touch on a few things Sebastian said that marriage is again a beautiful blessing from God mm-hmm. and it is an image of God. It can be, it should be rather. And Paul what we see it Paul says in First Corinthians seven is that a married man is concerned about can be, can be concerned about this worldly affairs, meaning like his wife, his children, pleasing them, and his interests can be divided. It doesn't mean that they have to be, but it can be. There can be a reality in the temptation for a married man to be divided. He wants so desperately to please his wife and his kids and take care of them, and yet he desperately wants to please God and take care of the church and his responsibilities there. And Paul's main point in that passage is that an unmarried man is only concerned about the Lord's affairs. And I think what Sebastian's sharing is that being single, there is this freedom to be fully devoted to God, 
to the kingdom and to making disciples, where when you're married, there can, again, can be a division in your heart between uh, caring for God's people and caring for your family. And I think practically speaking, marriage does provide those opportunities for division in the sense of practically you have more things to take care of. You have to take your children, get them ready, bring them to church. It takes more time than a single person to just get ready and go out the door. And all of those things being said, it's not, Paul is not saying, and no one, we're not saying that it's guaranteed that you will be divided in your interests, but there is a temptation. I think the contentment that you can find, as, that Sebastian is saying, as a single person, in doing the Lord's will and his business fully, and being fully devoted in fulfilling relationships between brothers and sisters in Christ, is so uh, rewarding. Mm-hmm. Just, so, just like that, a marriage can be very rewarding. It can be very godly. And you can be fully fulfilled and Absolutely. satisfied and rich relationships with brothers and sisters in the church, discipling men and women. And so I think all to be said, there are pluses and minuses. I would say the greatest ones I see is that a single person has more time and flexibility to respond to God's um, need, the needs of the church. Whereas a married person, there's just a few extra hoops to jump through. Both of you touched on the fellowship and how rewarding that can be. All of us here live in a community like what you're describing of close-knit believers. And I know that's the experience of many, many people around the world, around the country, a very close church and all the blessings that that brings. But it's not everyone's experience. And so if someone, if they feel like they want to have that closeness even more so with other believers and they just aren't. I'm sure you've had to talk to people who've said, well, what should I do? You know, I don't have that available like what you guys have. What what would you say to somebody as a single person? Uh, Before I came here, I was involved uh, with a lot of group of friends. I I moved a lot. And um, after coming here, and finding this close-knit relationship and, and friendships and even as a woman being able to have a covering um, I have friends that uh, live in different places and don't have the same kind of opportunity as I do and they've asked me that question I don't I don't have that opportunity this is where the Lord has me right now um, and really what the Lord has always encouraged me to share with them is for them to start being vulnerable with their friends. I think a lot of times we haven't learned how to be vulnerable and share our lives with the people around us. Um, and so if we can start doing that, if we can start being vulnerable with the, the women in our lives or the men in our lives um, and sharing what's really going on and not just the weather and the day-to-days, but being able to confess into one another, hold each other accountable and things like that, then it can begin. That kind of close-knit relationship can begin, and I think a lot of people miss out on that. Sebastian, I know you've been open to share with me that you have this history in your past of struggling with sexual sin. So how has going through the process of getting victory over that sin in your life impacted your view of this whole discussion, singleness, marriage, all of that? When I read the New Testament and I and I learn to follow Jesus, he said, no one can be my disciple unless they first deny themselves, pick up their cross, 
and follow him. As a disciple, uh, one of the choices I've made in obedience to the Lord is to give up my whole life. And where I get to know God is laying my life down for my brothers and sisters and getting to know them and to prefer them better than myself. And the history of my sexual addiction was the complete opposite. Everything was about me. It was about me conquering or me filling some kind of uh, fulfillment or putting a badge on or covering my insecurities. Or uh, There's many reasons that I went to sexual sin, but um, the victory wasn't just saying no to sexual sin. The victory was in following Jesus and becoming like him and, and coming into love and being full, fully fulfilled and filled by God. Because First John, he says, those who live in love live in God. And so as I've experienced getting to know God better, uh, sex just isn't as appealing. It's not, I don't want, obviously we're not going to go into great detail and things, but it's just, it's just not what I was sold when I was a teenager. You know, I thought it was going to be something different. And I plunged down into it, and and it's it's just darkness. But in God, I found really real life, and light, and uh, a, a never-ending hope. And so, uh, He's re- God's really got my attention. And those things, the, the temptations and things like that, and they they come through the mind. But they're before they were a lot easier to grab, and now they're just they're just not as interesting. Um, so that's basically how it's shaped my perspective. Even when you start to study marriage and the purpose of marriage uh, and some of the, the commands around uh, the husband washing his wife in the word and, and loving her and caring for her and her uh, giving way to her husband and, and coming under his care and his covering and this is this the entire purpose of the institution of marriage is to be a reflection of God and his people. And so when you start to see that little cycle there of love them considering one another better than themselves, the entire purpose of marriage is to display who God is. And so uh, marriage could never be an answer as a Christian for sexual sin because you get to have sex. It's even even sex is not about that person receiving the pleasures that are insects. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And so it's it's everything in the New Testament and Jesus' commands points us to laying our life down for each other, whether you're single or whether you're married. That's really great to hear that perspective. And I know, you know, for single guys who are struggling with sexual sin currently it can be on their mind a lot. Marriage can be on their mind and, or they could be dating uh, or even engaged and they're struggling with this. So again, maybe based on maybe all your experiences, having counseled different people as you've been involved in their lives, what would you speak to that situation where somebody is focused on marriage, drawn towards marriage, but they're struggling through sexual sin themselves? How would you guide them? I think, first of all, it's very important to assess with the person whether they are making marriage an idol, meaning where they are allowing marriage to affect the way they love people now. 
meaning like to put to put more definition to that like where marriage the idea the fantasy uh, the woman the children everything preoccupies their mind and their emotions to to an extent where they are totally distracted and not actually loving God and loving people today I think we need to first ascertain if that is going on and then help them see that their sexual sin that they're living in is definitely a big has a big impact on those things that they're tied together I think the first thing we see that with people that struggle with sexual sin is that many especially young men they struggle and they repent and they struggle and they repent and this cycle goes on for potentially years to where they're just not really getting a lot of breakthrough but they are they're not in unrepentant sin that they are just struggling could be every day could be once a week every other day whatever it is i think what's important is that we help men and and women alike to first of all with the sexual sin recognize how they can get help and how they can overcome it could be practical things could be spiritual things that need to be done to help them the, the more tricky one is the marriage piece that we find in many young people there is this inclination towards marriage in the sense where it becomes everything that they're living for becomes the next phase in life so to say and God like Sebastian articulated living for God laying down your life is really just part of the equation it's it's a good part but it's not it isn't life itself i think what is challenging to help articulate to young disciples when they are struggling with idolatry of marriage is to weed out the bad intentions, bad thoughts, the distractions, the obsessions, the fantasies, and the things that can be potentially good. It takes time, it takes a lot of patience, but I think principally speaking, helping them fix their eyes on Jesus, living for his kingdom, loving God with all of who they are, and laying down their lives, like Sebastian said, to love those around them now, if they do that, and if they trust God with marriage and their future, he will help them overcome those different idolatries, those different struggles. And so that's really what we try to help. We, I think sometimes we can get too focused on marriage or yeah. even the idolatry, and and it can be like a game to people. And I think... Like we've been saying, we we are trying to help people live their lives for Jesus and Jesus alone. To be completely, uh, to use the word, obsessed with Jesus, living for him. I think like Sebastian put it again, we have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. Many times when people are struggling with these different things, like idolatry and stuff, they don't want to deny themselves, pick up their cross daily and follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. So again, if we can fix people's eyes on Jesus and their lives, teaching them to obey the commands today, God will help, and we have seen that he has helped people overcome that. If you're interested in learning more about Madison Place Community Church, you can go to their website, mplacec.org.
Well, that's all for our show today. But before we go, I want to remind everyone that we're only one month away from our 2019 annual conference on April 26th and 27th. Our conference theme this year is Through Many Dangers, Toils, and Snares. And we are really excited about this event, which is an excellent opportunity for anyone seeking to take the next step in their spiritual walk. Whether you're wanting to learn more about Pure Life, considering one of our programs, or just hungry for a deeper walk with God, you can find all the details and registration information at conference.purelifeministries.org. We really hope you'll check it out, and we look forward to seeing you all there. Well, again, thanks for listening today, and we'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.